And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Is on the air now. Welcome back to Seven Fifty-Five is Real. I'm David O'Brien, Brace Rider for the Athletic, and I'm with a very special guest today, the great Dale Murphy, Braves icon, should be Hall of Famer. Will be, I'm sh- quite sure, before too much longer. Welcome, welcome, Murph. Good to have Thank, you, man. Thanks, David. I'm pinch hitting you. today. It feels good to pinch hit. I, I tried pinch hitting at the end of my career, and I wasn't very good. So <laughs> I think I can do it today. I hope uh, uh, Eric's good and feeling feeling better. Yeah, Eric hurt his back for you guys wondering where he is. He was doing some pretty crazy uh, athletic fitness type stuff, I think. <laughs> or maybe not. I don't know how he hurt his back, but he hurt his back. He, he might just have fell out of bed for all I know, but he hurt his back and he couldn't, he literally can't sit up and do this. So yeah, uh, I'm sure he'll yeah. be back soon, but well, that's good. I hope he's, I hope he's well, but that's, th- this is, uh, this is much better anyway. You, you, Eric, Eric had a couple of great years, but you had, you had a few more. <laughs> I really did have to pinch hit, you know, for a few at, at bats in, in Denver. And, you had uh, a bad back, didn't you? Or bad, just bad knees? Uh, I, I had bad knee, uh, but I, I, I gained a great uh, brand new appreciation for pinch hitters. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, what, what was that uh, closer for Miami? Right-hander, Hart, uh, Brian? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. He was the one before Rob Nenn. Um, oh, God. Yeah. I can't, actually covered he, him a year yeah i can't i can't remember his name but all i know is like i was like there's i got no chance i'm yeah i i need those i need I'll, a few bats a, a game and man that pinch hitting is tough duty so anyway i'm happy to pinch hit today for eric that's gonna drive me crazy if i don't find it so i'm gonna find it 1995 uh marlins you're talking about a team that had bobby that had uh uh bobby witt on it by the way i covered that team um now that was Rob Nen was there, ninety three, their first year. Yeah, their first year because I started. Well, covering I think them. that was that their first year. Or? Yeah, ninety three. I started covering them in ninety seven. The first year was ninety three, and I know the guy you're talking about. He was a, yeah, he was kind of a country country boy. Yeah, uh, had it was a had nasty a slider, split. right? I I what can't remember. I thought it was a splitter, but it could splitter. Yeah, splitter. That's right, because that was the big end pitch at that time. Yeah, he had a. Uh, Let's see. It was. I know we're boring the hell out of people on here who, who somebody <laughs> probably somebody's probably going. It's Brian Harvey. It was. It was Brian Harvey. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. Brian he Harvey. Good. Yeah. He yeah, was nasty. Hard and had a had a good split. So once they once once the Rockies saw me pinch hit, they're like, "All right, Mark, yeah. it's time to move on." The Marlins went. They had some some great closers for a while because then they had Rob Nen. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. He was damn good. Yeah. Um. They had a couple others too, but listen. Anyway, before we get started, we had a uh, we had a guy on Twitter 
Uh, Tim Gordon, who I, because I, I asked some people if they had any questions for you or comments, or whatever. This guy had a good one though I, that I caught my eye right away. He said, "I'd love to know what Murph would do if commissioner for a day. What changes would you implement?" Uh, well, catch him off guard. By the way, I did not give this to Murph beforehand. Yeah, no, I, I would realign. I would realign five years ago. But it makes more sense now. We got the DH, it, and and I think they're going to realign. I I know it's. I've even heard uh, Bud Seeley had a plan, but I think realignment would just. I I, mean, I I don't know what the negatives are, uh, David. But I mean, I'm talking about both New York teams in the same division, both LA teams in the same division, uh, uh, St. Louis and Kansas City, same division, both Chicago teams and Milwaukee. I mean. All I would, I'd realign. Owners would love it, save money, travel. I think it yep. would inject some electricity. I mean, can you, I, as a fan, uh, what we got to do is attract casual fans. We got good fans, but I think casual fans would go to a Dodger Anaheim game if it was something on the line. You know, if it was yeah. a, yeah. so I think realignment would be the first thing. And then I'd take care of all the other little things. I'd, I'd try to be a little more, uh, a proactive and uh, and and even though I'm I'm consider myself a uh, a traditionalist in baseball, it's time that the the this these days and times do not call for a traditionalist running anything. Uh, and I think we got to everything would be on the table. I'm talking about seven inning games. Uh, of course, the pitch clock. Of course, that's coming. But uh, I would put everything on the table and discuss and try it. Uh, we need to, you know, but, but I'd say to off, we can get on other s subjects, but uh, everything on the table to look at, to change the game, all, other sports change the rules all the time. I know we're really proud of the fact that we don't change fast, but I think in this day and age, those, those people who don't change fast, faster, um, you know, are going to leave some people behind and, but I would realign. I, I get rid of the American League and National League. In, in S, we don't really have it anyway, you know. Uh, now, especially with the DH, and I, I just think it's uh, realignment. I just think it'd be really, really exciting. That would be that would be number one A on my list. Um, uh, regarding seven in games, I don't think we should go to seven in games, but I do strongly <laughs> agree with shortening games, quickening them up, and we've had. Yeah. In this series that just ended with the Cubs, we had two games that were like two and a half hours, and it was glorious, man. And they were yeah, good games. Yeah. Uh, one of them was a four-hour mess, but the extra innings and all that. But two well-pitched games that were under two two and a half hours. You had two pitchers that were quick through strikes. The pitch clock, I don't care about all the the uh, the uh, blowback you get or some of the resistance from some. You know, guys can come up with all the excuses on why it won't work. It works. It works. It's worked where they've used it in the minor leagues. It has immediately shortened games by like 15 to 20 minutes. 20-second pitch clock, and you don't have to use it if you don't want to. Uh, if they want to do it just when there's nobody on base, that's a majority of time anyway. If pitchers want to say, you know, because if you, if you use it when guys are on base, teams can start using it as strategy, knowing that if the, guy, the clock is running out, the guy's not going to throw over. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, so I can see that's a problem, but you can definitely use it when there's nobody on base, and that immediately cuts a lot of time out. And the other thing is not letting you know. Well, that, well, if you do that, you won't have to uh, enforce 
hitters not being able to step out, do all their the the, the back yeah. gloves, look down to the third base coach, talk to you know. If you do the pitch clock, that kind of goes hand in hand. Yeah. Like the other, yeah. Well, I, I always say, David, we all know that golf has golf has a clock. Yeah. And and so people don't know it. I I am a really big opponent of a clock out the center field. I think it, you know, if you're a traditionalist, you don't want to see a clock out there. But here's right. what I would do. And I think umpires, you know umpires, David, they would eat this up. Give it to the umpires. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, just like golf, hey, you're on the clock. You know, you guys yeah. you, you've abused it for a couple, you know what I mean? Uh, we don't we just have the third base ump or an ump, you know, up in uh, the press box, whatever. However, yep. we do it, and just warn them and say, the "Signal, you're That's you're it. on the clock. do a hand signal, do Absolutely. a certain hand you're signal, whatever. Clock. You're on the clock, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna start calling balls. Yeah, and and then the home plate umper, home plate ump, umpire, same thing with the hitter. Get in, or I'm calling a strike. Yeah, and just let let them have yeah. at it. And so yeah. we, the umpires could really move this game, but I, I pitch clock. Uh, some kind of a time frame would absolutely work. It would be great. Yeah, because you got to shorten the games, and and there yeah. have been a lot more shorter games this year. Um, what about this whole the whole mess that's been so far with the balls? I mean, I'm so sick of the balls being an issue every year. I don't understand why MLB keeps thinking that they can tweak the balls in order to get the end results they want. Whether it be when offense is down, they they make the balls bouncier, and they and then they go too far, and then there's too much offense, and they make the just use the same damn balls every year and let this work itself out. I don't understand this at all. Why this is. Like this year, from day one, I had pitchers and catchers telling me the balls are different this year. The seams are higher. And it's only now with Dr. Wills, who's the ball deconstructionist, the woman, that the, the scientist that takes the balls apart yeah. and proves and had proved last year that two different balls were used. She has shown why the uh, influx of humidors now in every ballpark, and they're only in about 10 before. Now they're in every ballpark. But in, oh, really? some, places, in some places where it's humid – it's going to make the balls drier, but other places it's going to add humidity to them. And the result is, is fascinating. I hadn't thought about this. The balls in the process of being shipped, stored in the humidor, sometimes not stored long enough, the seams themselves don't adapt like the balls do. In other, in other words, the balls become less moist in a, in a humid place. They're going to become less moist. They'll become a little more moist in a dry place. But the, but the seams don't necessarily react the same way, and they expand in effect. And that's why that would that would that would uh, explain why the seams are higher this year because MLB insisted they did not raise the seams, which makes sense. I don't even know how they would do that, but they, they yeah. say they didn't. But that would be why the seams are high because I had pitchers and catchers. Travis Darno told me first series, first uh, second series of the year, the seams are higher this year, and that's why you're seeing these long would be home runs that are at a thirty degree launch angle that normally would go 430 feet and land in the 15th row of the seats are being caught at the warning track because they're getting up and it greatly increases the drag. When they get the up drag. there, they slowly slow, they slow down. And then instead of having a normal arc like that into the seats, they're going, and then they're going and dropping, yep. you know, cause of drag. And that would totally explain that. And I had, and then, and also just, a, just one more thing on the balls. Darno told me that pitchers agreed that they're also slick in some places you go where the humidors are making them slick. The balls are slick because they went, uh, uh, they're kind of chalky, they say. And that would explain why you're getting so many guys 
uh, hit by pitches on a lot of uh, breaking balls. 43% of the hit by pitches so far have been on breaking balls. Really? Yeah. And I think what? Charlie Morton has been affected by it too. Although to his credit, he's not said one word about the ball, but he's a guy that relies so much on spin rate. You know, he's like yes. king of the spin rate. And that yeah. that could have an effect on a guy like that if the seams are a little different. Well, do you remember that home run? Was it last night? Uh, as we talked, did uh, Austin Riley hit? Yeah. Really high, yeah. And uh, there was a. I mean, I mean, it, I I thought it was halfway back in the stands, and it ended up being, I don't know, four or five rows back. Yeah, he I mean, maybe it. that's the kind of. What's that? He crushed it. Yeah, he crushed it, but it ended up not going as far as I. Yeah. I thought it was going to go. I mean, he he got all of it. I thought, and it. I think maybe that was affected the drag. I I don't know what to say except that I agree with you. Um. I didn't know so many clubs were using the the. It's the mandatory. Humidor. Yeah, the humidor. Oh, the the humidors. It's mandatory this year, and I think that they did not do enough research this on this on the effect yeah. it was going to have on balls. The aim is to have the balls the exact same in every climate by having the humidors. But as the yeah. scientists explained, that's not what happens because the ball is yeah. changed it while it's going through that process, depending on what the climate is there. And then well, once the balls get out, you got to keep them in there long enough. They're not, they're keeping them in there for two weeks. They say it's not long enough. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's yeah, yeah. You're just chasing your tail trying to figure this yeah. this all out. Yeah. I mean, you know, it 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 becomes, and then it just becomes a a, a a point of discussion that it doesn't. You know, we I don't know. It becomes almost something that becomes. Uh, you know, you never hear the NBA talk about the ball, right? And you, only, right. you only heard I've only heard one conversation about the football back yeah. with with exactly Tom Brady. I mean, we're talking about it every year. It's just uh, I totally agree with you. We just got to somehow get everybody focusing in, and it, but it's an interesting problem. I agree with you. I got to figure out how not to mess with the balls. I thought they were only trying to deaden the ball a little bit in Denver, which yeah, I, you know, I think. I think Denver's a real problem, David. It makes I, sense to use the humidor in Denver, but why did they feel like they have to do it everywhere? They don't do yeah. it in other sports, like you said. Yeah, and they don't, yeah. and they don't change the football in Denver so that they don't kick long field goals, you know, at altitude. Yeah, but, they don't. They don't deflate it. Any, no, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, uh, you know, if you want to use the humidor in Denver, it, whatever you're trying to do there to make it, because the game is just different in Denver, and I don't yeah. know that it's ever not going to be different. Because the outfield is so huge, yeah. it's not the home runs that kill you there. It's as you know, it's all those singles that drop <laughs> in front of the outfielders, and all those doubles and triples to the gap. You hit it the gap there. The league triple leader should be from the Rockies every year. Yeah, I, every you year. know, a part of a bigger discussion, and I I don't know what you'd ever do, but I think Denver's a problem, Dave. Yeah, it, I mean, it is being in the league, it and is. I think they they probably thought about this, but it's you know, it's five thousand. Yeah, you know we know it's a mile high. I mean, that's that. Uh, who would ever? When's the last free agent pitcher they signed? Yeah, it's of, gonna be tough, man. Of, They've tried. They got to over. They got to overpay them, and then they leave as soon as they can. And yeah. they're gonna have to grow. The, they're gonna have to draft and develop their own pitchers and and just keep doing it. But it's it is a problem. And the problem it's is, a problem. it's a great of, sports city though, and they draw uh, well. You know, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Um, 
but it anyway that i i didn't realize everybody had the humidors and yeah you know so that's uh, it was a problem it's it, just too bad because it doesn't need to be a discussion every year every I year agree with you. let's hear from today's sponsors looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You were talking about uh, um, realignment. It made me think, What can you imagine a rivalry between Seattle, the Sonics, and Portland, where you're from, if they both had teams, yeah. how big that would be? And then also San Francisco's close enough, you know, that you would have, you know, just that whole corner up there you'd have. But but those that, that rivalry there, and especially in pandemic era, you know, who knows how many more of these uh, coronaviruses we're going to have and how many more times we're going to have to, like spring training, they shortened it or they made uh, everybody uh, play teams within like an hour this year. So once again, even with the pandemic dying, we did that. So it yeah. only makes sense. If you're ever going to realign, now would be the time to do it, looking ahead towards maybe yep. fighting something like that where you're not on those long, long flights and, uh, and people don't have to, you know, travel so far to see your team. Absolutely. You'd, you'd have a lot. If you, if Atlanta played, Atlanta's not a great example because there's not a lot of teams down here. Yeah. But if you were to get a team like a Nashville, for instance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, but if the, if Braves fans are, are say, uh, say, say you were talking about uh, realigning in California, if you had Anaheim, San Diego, LA, Arizona, you know, in the same, in the same uh, division, and then you had New York, you had Philly, both New York teams, Boston, in the same division, like and Washington, D.C., friends. Those teams would be... Baltimore, in Baltimore. Yeah, yeah Baltimore, whatever. It would be... Whatever, uh, yeah. Yeah, there's only... A, there's not that... It wouldn't have to be radical, there, but it would be, like you said, eliminate the right. leagues would, would be... A, if you're not going to realign, you need to have an even number of teams in each league so that you're not constantly having to play an interleague because this year you have to opening day, you have to have an interleague series because there's 15 teams right. in each league. So right. got to fix that. And well, they got to get, and they, they need to get the team out of Oakland. If they're not going to get a new stadium, I love a team being in Oakland, right? but it can't survive as it currently is. And it's like the ownership now is trying to force their hand because they're not promoting it. They've got rid of everybody. They're drawing flies there in that huge stadium. It's like, they're saying move us or build us a new stadium. That's what they're basically saying. And you can't keep asking uh, the A's to be competitive in that environment. And same thing yeah. with Tampa. If they're not going to get a new stadium, they, they and Tampa, God bless them because every year they have a competitive team. They do the best job, the front yeah. office, and against all odds in the AL East against these big payroll teams. Every year they're competitive. 
but yet they play in this stadium that nobody wants to go indoors on a nice day in Florida, you know, and play yeah. in that antiseptic dome. It's just not a good environment. And drive from Tampa across that causeway to St. Pete at rush hour. So yeah. they got to build a stadium in Tampa, Ebor yeah. City area, whatever, retractable dome, whatever, just something more attractive. And they've been trying forever, though. They, they talked about that Montreal split. That was never going to work. Ooh. Built two stadiums when you can't get one built, you know? Yeah. But if they're not going to get stadiums in Oakland and Tampa, you move those right away. You move one to your hometown, Portland. Move the other to, say, Nashville, Charlotte, you know, some other places. Vegas wants a team. There are places that could really support a team. Now, I know you, you believe in Portland, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think baseball's good in the fact that we don't like to we don't like to move teams around and 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 Manfred right. is is like you know I'm going to give them a chance and you know uh, I think the NFL's been burned a few times moving teams too quick so I get that but again this day and age it's not like that it's like right. it's like we got to get on top of that yeah and uh, so yeah I've been in touch with the. Uh, the uh, Portland Diamond Project. They are still organized. They're funded. They're building relationships. Uh, they're still very optimistic. Uh, Portland is, if uh, a couple summers ago, we know, unfortunately, there were some, a lot of uh, uh, problems in downtown Portland, David. I might share this with uh, uh, the people listening. Uh, the Portland group has said, you know, we're, we're looking a little bit more suburban now and do what the Braves did uh, with building the, the battery right. and uh, a whole complex on 50, 60 acres. And uh, so we're this is still very optimistic. I agree with you. Uh, Seattle and Portland, uh, uh, soccer-wise, uh, oh and, and, and basketball. Basketball, the, the, the Timberwolves. Teams, and when they had a basketball team, which I see your Sonics jersey on, and there's some good rumors about getting a franchise back. The glove. Yeah, yeah. They, the Rain uh, Man. Th- there you go. I mean, it's a great rivalry. It's a great regional rivalry. And and David, what people got to remember is, is this is a regional sport. Yeah. This. Yeah. Uh, now more than re- ever. Yeah, exactly. It's regional. Regional and networks think, are taking over. Well, why would we want a port a team in Portland? It's because the Pacific Northwest could support yeah. another team. Remember, they're only proposing a 25,000-seat stadium yeah. with a retractable roof, and it's going to be beautiful. I, David, this ballpark is going to be like something no one has seen before. It's not going to look traditional. It's going to look that, forward-thinking, and the architects, they've told me, they do not want to do brick. <laughs> they there want is- to do... Uh, you know, so it's going to be fun. I, I'm still very optimistic about Portland. There is so much money in the Northwest now. All these people from California, for better or worse, dro- yeah. went to Seattle. The cost of living there now is through the roof. You can't afford to live there. Now those yeah. people are moving to Portland. But the the good part of that is there's so much money and corporate money that there you can support a baseball team because you have to have a lot of corporate dollars to support a sport where you play 81 home games. It's not like football yes. where where a place like Charlotte or Jackson, well, Jacksonville, Charlotte, not a good example. Yeah, Jacksonville exactly. can support football. They could not support baseball. Exactly. That's why I, I think I, I used to be kind of uh, interested in Vegas, but I think Vegas can support an NFL team because of, you know, eight home games. Yeah. And and the attraction of the NFL and the Raiders for, you know, a nationwide thing. But can they support a regional 
81 home days. They don't have don't Fortune know. 500 companies. They don't have a lot of Fortune 500 yeah. companies there, do they? Exactly. I don't know that and they have and many. David, you would not be, believe the list oh, yeah. of outdoor companies. I mean, just off the top of my head, Under Armour and Nike and Columbia, you know, these are huge corporate yeah. uh, partners for the, the team in uh, in in Portland. So they they have, they're ready to go. You know, we got stadiums and small things like that to work out, but yeah, shit. Nike uh, could build one with their own money, man, if they wanted yeah. to do it. If Phil Knight got behind this thing, it's done, man. <laughs> yeah, he's got yeah. so much money. <laughs> Absolutely. If and, they could get their brand around that place, look what they just did to the track stadium at Oregon. It is gorgeous. It's like the best yeah. in the world, man. Uh, absolutely, a- absolutely. So, very optimistic about Portland, and it'd be fun in Nashville. I don't think Vegas has a uh, organization, uh, right? I-, I don't think they have an organization that's, yeah. that's running things. Portland is building relationships with MLB, and the most important relationship in any state, but especially Oregon, is politically. Yeah, and they got really good support politically yeah why the only the hope the only hope for nashville of course is the reason it, it supports a lot of sports is the transcendent you, you always have tourists there but if you were to have like the pandemic or something that killed tourism that one year can you imagine how empty the yeah. stadium would be you know so yeah. they uh that's the problem there but you know there there the the reasoning would be that it might work there is that you have this built-in audience of people spending money at the casinos and they go to an air-conditioned place at night to see the team from their yeah. hometown. But true, I, true. but it's corporate dollars that make the thing work because you see those suites like at Oracle Park in San Francisco. They have suites that ring the entire stadium from one end to the other, you know, yeah. and they're all sold with all that uh, Silicon Valley money and all that tech money. And Portland has, like you said, there's a lot of corporate dollars there and a lot of rich folks there that would buy in a 25,000 seat stadium, the prices of the tickets is going to be pretty high, probably like at Fenway. There's a yeah. lot of money there. that's going to pay for those seats. Yeah. And I think David, people, and Nashville people wondering, too. right. I think people wondering about Portland too. We have long. this is going to sound weird, but we have long summer evenings that are dry. Yeah. We, we got rain. We got rain in spring and fall, but yeah. our summers are beautiful. And uh, we would be one of the less, uh, how do I say this? We would probably have less rainfall than some of the cities that yeah. are already in the league. Well, people and, don't understand, uh, yeah, that like Seattle gets a ton of rain, but it's ne- but they don't get as much rain as like the Florida, not even close, because it's like yeah, drizzle. It, it, it's drizzle. It, it, exactly, exactly. It's Like Seattle's it, got a retractable mean, dome that's not even enclosed because the sides are open because it's like perfect climate. It's just a little drizzle. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it would work. I, I would love to see it expan- there. Expansion and realignment, I think, is exciting. Or if not expansion, then moving those two teams. But oh, I like yeah, expansion yeah. too. Either way, I yeah. think you've got to get it. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um uh let's 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 grab a couple more of these while we're on here with uh while we're on uh talking about some things before we get to Acuna's return and all that. Uh a couple of others here. Let me see. Uh, you know, you had a, a lot of people saying that it's a shame that you're not, it's a damn crime that you're not in the uh, Hall of Fame. And I agree. Um, Thank you. Let's see. And I think it's only a matter of time with the Veterans Committee, with the ERA Committee, that w- will right that wrong for you and Fred McGriff. Well, thank you. You know, David, they changed it. Yeah. Did you, now did you, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. They I'm part of the committee that does the ballot, that selects okay. the ballot. We don't vote on the Hall of Famers, but we select the ballot that we give to them. So yeah. we're going to do that soon. But yeah, it's only two eras now. Yeah. So, I mean, I, 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 I'll I, just have to wait and see what the effect is. Uh, but it's interesting. They've changed the rules again. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I still have some, you know, some very uh, ardent support, supporters yeah. and uh, we'll have to see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're going to have more, you know, now that you got the three Braves Hall of Fame pitchers that are in there, chippers in there, when one of those guys gets on a committee, that kind of thing, because unfortunately, I hate to say this, but it's so political when it gets to that era committee, because right, I mean, right. Harold Baines got in because Tony La Russa stood up and fought and fought for him and argued for him until <laughs> he got enough people <laughs> to agree with him. And that's just, it becomes like, yeah. you know, and that's, that's the way the NFL Hall of Fame is from the get go. It's all political really? like that. They get in a room and talk about the guys. And I think the, the Baseball Hall of Fame works a lot better because, you know, the writers start with their own ballots at home doing this. And especially nowadays, I think the writers put a lot more thought into it than they used yeah. to. Yeah. You know, and, and so I still like our process better than the other Hall of Fames. But I know a lot of people disagree, but they should look into those other ones and see how political they are. So, yeah. Well, um, I mean, that's, you know, any system has certain political uh yeah aspects to it i mean you're not gonna get away with that so anyway i'm i remain optimistic and we'll see what happens but like like uh i'm very appreciative of people are you know very supportive and and uh you know i'm i'm still optimistic hey by the way did you know that ron washington turns 70 today is he just amazing or what when you you were out there the other day you were on the field before the game to see him doing what he does before the game, he's 70 years old. I think it's just amazing. Oh, he is amazing. And and uh, he loves his guys, you know, yeah. and his guys love him and they love to work. And this work ethic, you know, it's an accumulative effect, David. You know, you do this, yeah. these drills he does, it, and you're doing them 162 times. Yeah, and you're doing during, during spring training. I mean, you're going to get better, and yeah, and you need a coach that will say, "I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to do it." Yeah. Uh, he loves his guys. He loves his team. Um, uh, he's just, uh, uh, yeah, seventy. I mean, you know, I'm going to have trouble running around a eighteen holes in a golf cart at seventy, but uh, he's he's uh, been a fantastic addition to this organization. We've talked about him, uh, Eric and I talked about him a lot because Eric, you know, just both of us have so, so much respect for him. But I, I don't think it can be overstated the impact that he's had on this team because of what you just said, just the, 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 the repetitive, the work, the repetitions these guys get, they're going to get better physically from all the work. But I think mentally, whether it's consciously or subconsciously for some of these kids, he sets a standard that I'm out here working, busting my ass every day, and I'm out here doing this, doing additional work, not getting paid extra for it, but I'm out here for every one of you guys that wants to do this one-on-one -on -one before we start the regular day's activities. And he works one-on-one -on -one with every one of those infielders and any of the outfielders that want to do it too. You'll see Marcelo Zuna occasionally there. You saw last year, uh, you saw Jock Peterson when he first got over, he had heard so much about Jock's work that he was down there doing it on his knees, taking up one hoppers and everything. But I think he set such a standard of work that these guys, 
just in the in their minds start to think this is how it's done. This is how you get better. If this guy can be out here doing it for us, the least we can do is to be out there doing this extra work that he expects us. And every one of them just basically is out there every day. I mean, they just incorporate that into their daily routine is this is part of it, even though it's extra and you don't really have to be there until they start BP or stretch. They're out there before working with him. And I just think he's the infielders. And you saw it last year with them playing every day. Everybody in the yeah. infield played every day unless they have a, a really serious injury, a pretty serious injury they can't play, like a hamstring or something. Well, a, a lot of people probably assume that this takes place everywhere. Right, and it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. And, uh, again, uh, I don't know how long these workouts take. That's really not the point. The point is you practice, your, you know, it's like uh, taking 10 swings off a of batting tee perfect swings a day is better than taking, you know, 50 bad swings and trying to hit the ball all over right. the place. So it's what, what young players need to remember is it's the cumulative effect of doing a little work every day. And, yeah. and it, but I agree with you, not only physically you'll get better, but mentally it'll ingrain into your mind that this is your job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is important. You know, this is what we do, and we do it every day. And uh, I, I think I didn't. Did I hear today? Dansby's the best defensive shortstop uh, in some metrics or something. What? I don't what, know which metric, but I think this year his his defense is really high, and uh, defensive okay. runs saved are high. They're not quite as high as like Correa, I don't think, but they're they're high. Well, and and David, you've watched Austin Riley play. Oh my God! You know more than me, but what I see, I I see stuff all the time. I yeah. mean, all the time. He's become an above average defender in a span of like two years, and he credits yeah. Wash for a lot of that. And so yeah, did Freddie. Absolutely. Freddie credited him for for helping making Freddie one of the best two or three defensive first basemen in baseball, if not the best. Yeah. Uh, Olson raved about him. From Olson just worked with him his first year in Oakland when Wash was still there. So he really oh, was was happy to come here and be able to work with Wash again. Uh, yeah, we don't even need, the relationship he has with Ozzy. Ozzy would tell you there's been no more important person in, probably in his career than Wash so far. Wow, what he's done for wow. Wash, what he's done for Ozzy. Those I mean, two have a great relationship. It's like big brother, little brother. The sparring, the fun they have with each other, yeah. cussing each other out in good nature every day. It just. It's just so much energy that Wash helps bring to the – he's got a thing this year. Every day at the end of batting practice, started with a couple of guys. Now it's like four of the veterans – or four of the four of the players, not veterans, four of the players will line up behind the screen. You know, at first base, they put the screen up during BP. Four guys will line up behind that, put their hands behind them, and the bet is that they can't stand their stationary – Wash is near the batting cage, and Wash hits fungos because he's got he's a he's a master with the fungo. He can hit it precise, right? Yeah. So Wash hits it. They're right behind the screen. Wash can hit it over the screen and at them, and they have to hold and not move. And he'll get, and, and nobody else can really do it. You know, can hit a fungo perfectly like that. But Wash does it. You know, one of them will go. The ball will be coming at him. Will be like. Or someone will let it hit him in the chest or whatever. But it's every day they're doing this now. now Olsen was over there the other day with him doing it. So it's it's pretty fun to see it every day. But to see Wash do that, handle a yeah. fungo like he does, man, it's amazing what that guy can do with a bat. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It right makes, over the it screen. Makes, yeah, it, it, I, I'm going to watch for that next time. Uh, 
Yeah, they have fun. Uh, it it makes, makes fun. It, they they love fun. going to the ballpark. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's fun. Your work your work can be fun, and uh, but it's it's going to help you. And I worked at my high school coach's uh, Jack Dunn uh, there in Portland, Oregon, at his little league camp when I was a kid. And parents would say, "Oh man, my son's improved so much." And we we're always like, you know, what wasn't anything we did. They took a yeah. hundred swings a day. You yeah. know, <laughs> you 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 do these things, and you have a coach to help you. You're going to improve. That's just the way it goes. Guys, let's take a quick break, and then we'll finish up the show. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I mean, it's just anecdotal, I know, but I from watching teams take BP, visiting teams, and then when the Braves are on the road watching the home teams, the really good teams, for the most part, it seems like they're the ones out there having fun. They're not the ones out yeah. there with grim looks on their faces and, you know, stern yeah. looks and guys looking, rolling their eyes or just out here, you know, being out there to be out there because they have to be. It's the guys that are out there yucking it up and having fun, but doing their work at the same time. I yeah. mean, it's not football, you know. Everything doesn't have to be dead serious. You're playing 162 games. If you're going to be out there taking BP every day or a little bit of infield, you need to be out there having fun doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, you know, you got to look at the makeup of your coaching staff, the makeup yeah. of your players. I mean, Jock Peterson came over last year and brought a lot of fun to the yeah. team and, at and just kind of right relaxed time. him. But, yeah, you need, you, need, uh, you need guys and coaches like that. Yeah, and and Snit has a great coaching staff in that regard because they got some fun guys, you know, with Wash being at the top of the list. But there's some other yeah. guys too. A guy like Walt Weiss, he's a funny dude, you know. Absolutely. Uh, and and they've, they've got some really – Eddie Perez is on the staff. So they've got just enough guys to keep it loose and, and one, you know, and kind of every with every department of every every group of guys. So it's yeah, still absolutely. a good mix. and. And, and that's why I don't really worry about this team like I would some that start slow 
Cause like, you know, some teams start slow and I think they can be start to have some kind of finger pointing behind the scenes, you know, right you know, off the record. It's so-and-so you don't hit that with this team. And so far I've seen no change in their demeanor at all during this, you know, team. a lot of fans are panicking already, you know, cause the Mets are so much better this <laughs> year than they've been. You're down yeah. five games, you know, three weeks into the season, but I haven't seen any of that with the Braves. Uh, and another part of that was, of course, they knew Acuna was going to be back soon and now he's back and, and. I don't know if you watched the game last night, but there was an energy at that ballpark. I mean, there's been a lot of energy anyway this year coming up because big crowds this year, but there was a different energy and the players noticed it too. Just having Acuna there. And when he was introduced, it was electric, man. I, I was actually there, David. I'm, oh, uh, yeah, you're here right now. Yeah. 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 I'm here right now. I'm actually, you know, down here in Peachtree, uh, Peachtree City uh, with our son, Jake and his family. But yeah, we were there. And I mean, that was the first, I mean, it's, it's the first thing I heard in the morning, you know, yeah. I woke up and either looked at my phone or did something. And the very first thing everybody in this area knew yeah. was that Ronald was playing and uh, it overshadowed the draft, which is hard to do the NFL draft, at least in Atlanta yeah. market. Yeah. In Atlanta. Yeah. You're right. You're right. In in the South. Yeah. And so there was a, a quite a few thousand extra people Yeah, uh, just because he, I mean, he's a, He's a game changer for a team. He's a game changer for the sport of baseball. Uh, it's great yeah. to have him back. Yeah. I mean, everybody knows how great a player he is. He's he's one of the five best players when he's healthy in baseball. But I would argue that there's no player that's more dynamic and more fun, exciting to watch than Ronald Acuna because of all that he does, how much yeah. fun he has, the style that he plays with. You know, the young guys, the young play, the young fans love the, if you ask little leaguers who their favorite player is now down here, yeah. it's him. I mean, God bless Freddie Freeman. I hated to see him go. And Freddie is still was the face of the franchise. And I think still was with a majority of the older fans, people my yeah. age, you know, whatever. But the young kids, they love Acuna and they love Ozzy because they can identify with Ozzy because he's so small. You know, they do yeah. love Ozzy and the way he plays. But Acuna just has that as... Austin Riley told me before the game last night, he just has that swagger, man. You just have it or you don't, but he has, it's all about the swag with him, but playing hard too. It's not like he's just all about substance or about, all about oh, yeah. style. This is a guy with five tools and an incredible player that yeah. even if he was the most boring guy in the world, you know, as far as how he wears his uniform or how he goes about it, you know, if he was like Austin Riley and just played, he'd still be a like great, me. great player. Right, like yeah. me, <laughs> but he adds he adds the panache on top of it. So you you Absolutely. add all that together, and it's special. Well, I, you know, I wish I had that. Yeah. Uh, what, what did you say, panache? When yeah. when I played, but I I didn't. So you can't really right force it. Austin right. Riley's kind of like me, Freddie. You know, we're all kind of. But yeah. you absolutely. I've said this a number of times. Chemistry works when you put different chemicals together. Yeah, and and you need uh, you need it for your team. You need it for the sport of baseball. Uh, he's fun. He's great. His tools are unlimited, and so it's great to great to see him back. And uh, um, you know, baseball just needs to remember this. You know, uh, you know, David Shohei Otani. I mean, this yeah. guy, but. But he 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 doesn't have a lot of flash and exuberance, right? Uh, but that's neither here nor there. It's, it's who he is, right? Um, Mike Mike Trout's the same way. Right. Not a lot of flash and exuberance, right. 
they're great, but kids like flash and exuberance. You know, right. this is uh, a lot of kids watch a lot of stuff on their on their phones and and right. see highlights exactly. and, and and they want to see chains. They want right. to see chains jangling everywhere. So go for it. And they like to see guys who show their emotions. Like you say, you yeah. can't force that. If you're a guy that doesn't yeah. wear your emotions on your sleeve, you can't try right. to do it. But if you are one, then then and then I like that Snit is not a manager that tells them, all right, cool it a little bit. You know, they let them be right. themselves. And that's important because the kids do identify with people who show just as much emotion as they do playing in the sandlot, you know, where they're flipping bats in the sandlot, you know? Yeah. These yeah. guys are doing it on a major league field. Yeah. And it's almost like telling them it's okay to do this, man, to be a kid playing because they're yeah. kids play they're they're adults playing a kid's game and getting made 10, 15, 20 million dollars, 30 million dollars to do it. Yeah. Why and, not why be grim about it? Enjoy it, man. Yeah. You're the luckiest and, people in the world. Have fun. Absolutely. And and it sends a message to those who watch you. I mean, again, you can't force it, but uh I think one of the reasons why I like uh, Bryce Harp is he's He's emotionally invested in the game, and you want to see that as a fan. Yeah, you you want to see these guys playing hard, hustling, you know, getting upset. I mean, I you just it is hard to force it if it's not you, and you don't want to force it. You got to be yourself, but you also got to have that fire burning inside of you. And yeah. it it it'll you know, it's either in, but baseball uh, really benefits from exuberance it's kind of like golf i mean uh i love i love the sport i love the guys but it would be awesome to see a little bit more stuff like happens in phoenix uh at the tournament there i mean it's electric uh, we yeah. love to see these golfers yeah. uh, that they're human and uh yeah. and so uh you know i i love ron lacuna for a lot of reasons and he's a lot of fun to watch yeah, it's like uh, you know, and and the fire burns within a guy like an Austin Riley or a guy like yeah. uh, like Andrelton Simmons was like as competitive as players I'd ever seen when he played here. He sure. after the game after a loss, he was crushed. He was crushed. Any loss, you know, John Smoltz, you know, everybody has it inside. The great great players do. Most of them do. But not everybody shows it. So when you can mix the guys on the team that some are boring, like Nick Markakis was, but nobody hated to lose more than Nick Markakis. He just didn't yeah. show his emotions. Whether he hit a home run or struck out four times, he was the same guy. But it's right. fine to have a guy like that, and then a guy like uh, like uh, Ronald Acuna and Ozzy Alves playing right next to him. And Nick loved those guys, by the way. Nick had a great yeah. relationship with those guys. He understood. Yeah. He understood. Not everybody's the same. So I, I just that's why I like this Braves team still. To uh, to really do some good things this year, and uh, uh, because the chemistry is so good and so important that uh, that that yeah. that's not going to hold them back. Instead, it's going to help them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're they're gonna they're gonna be fine. Um, yeah. It's How about Kyle crazy. Wright? By the way, how about Kyle yeah, Wright? Yeah, that, that was what fun a story he is. He's been fun to watch this year and see his maturation and 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 uh, no, I this. This ball club's going to be in the thick of things. <laughs> no question about it. Kyle last night didn't even have his good stuff. Yeah. And, and I mean, walked four guys because he only walked like two or three before that. But he still only gave up three hits, one run, four walks, had eight strikeouts, which is the routine for him now. He's 3-0 and with a one one three ERA. Wow. He has completely oh. turned around his career now. Throwing the curveball now, like 30, 30, 35% of the time, and the slider, like 
under 10% of the time. He's gone away from the slider to the curve, which was his big pitch in college. He had gotten away from it because at the time when he was coming up in the minors, early in the minors, analytics were saying, were telling pitchers, every pitcher, regardless of, you know, whether it was good or bad for him, was, was stressing sliders, sliders and heaters up in the zone. That was what uh, our sinkers down, I'm sorry, but but uh, analytics were saying throw sliders. So everybody started throwing sliders, and he got away from throwing the curve. And once he, you know, a couple of years ago, he sat down, Ben Sestanovich, the farm director, and the pitching coordinator, Davis, uh, sat him down and said, you got to start throwing this. you got a great curveball. you got to start throwing it more. And he got back to that. So between starting to throw the curveball more and then working with Zach Sorensen, the mental skills coach, mental performance coach, getting that part because you and he's used to spiral on him. Like last night, the way he started last night, that would have spiraled on him in the past, and he'd have been gone in two innings. He's yeah. got the mental approach down now. And then I think the final kind of piece on top of it was working with this Ben Brewster of uh of uh uh he's uh, an outside pitching guru yeah. from Tread Athletics. This guy's had big results with a lot of pitchers. They let the Braves let him work with this guy last year some last summer he started working with him on his footwork and his delivery. So now he's in this great position like he used to be in college. And this combination of it all has come together. And if you look at his numbers in the second half last year at Gwinnett, don't look at his overall numbers because he had some bad starts in the first half. But his second half numbers at Gwinnett were tremendous. They bring wow. him up and he pitches great in the World Series. Terrific that that when he came in and bailed out uh, Tucker Davidson in the first inning or Dylan Lee in the first inning. Dylan Lee, yeah. yeah. So he had that great outing in the World Series. And I was like a lot of people that thought, you know, when he had this great spring this year, that it was because of the momentum from the World Series. No, it was the momentum that started last year at Gwinnett and throwing this curveball now. The that curveball is basically unhittable. Guys yeah. are hitting like 120 against it. Well, the, uh, uh, you know, if you're a four pitch pitcher, you don't want to just be a sinker slider pitcher, you right. know, uh, but because to me, a curveball uh, sets up a high fastball. Right. And he's throwing heaters up in the zone too. Yeah. Right. You got, you got to, you know, it's like Tiger Woods when he practices, he has nine windows, you know, that he visualizes 20 yards or 50 yards out in front of him. He hits nine, those nine windows. A pitcher's got to use the whole strike zone to be effective. Uh, right. If you're a two-pitch pitcher, you better have electric stuff. I mean, I'm talking to, you know, a closer. Yeah. But if you're a starter and you want to go seven innings like he did, uh, you you got to go high, low, uh, inside, outside, fast, slow. Mm -hmm. And a, a curveball is a great off-speed pitch that sets up a high fastball. You can throw it out of the zone. Your fastball doesn't have to be in the zone. You'll right. get guys to face. But a uh, shout out, uh, David. I've known Zach Sorensen for quite a few years. Uh, oh lives, yeah, uh, yeah. Lives in Southern Utah, and uh, he's he's uh, wow. He he's an up and comer. Yeah, strength. He, he's an up he's, and comer. Uh, he's worked a lot with uh, the minor league guys. I've talked yeah. to him a lot. He knows he knows what he's doing, and uh, um, I I'm just not wouldn't be surprised. I know that the Tampa Bay Rays, but baseball is slow to change on this stuff. But I will not be surprised within a short time, every ball club, I think every ball club should have a full-time mental coach at yeah. the big league level. Yeah. Yeah, really we're seeing that we're seeing that definitely go in that direction. A performance coach, whatever you want to call them. A lot of most teams are starting to do that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He's got 34 strikeouts in 24 innings. I think is uh, is up to what, like six or eight walks now. That's it. And he's second in the majors in strikeouts behind Carlos Rodon with the Giants, who's having a terrific year. He's got 38 strikeouts. What's but, Kyle Wright's top speed on his fastball? 96. Where, where's he, where's he, he sit at? He sits like 95, 96. Wow. Okay. Well, yeah, he throws plenty <laughs> hard. And, yeah. and, and it's got the sinker. It's got the four-seamer. He's got he still throws a slider occasionally, but he's got that nasty curve, man. Yeah. And he and he's got a changeup that'll occasionally throw in there too. But it, well, but the curveball is over thirty percent of the time now. Yeah, yeah, and I know I know uh, um, Freed's going to his changeup a lot, man. When you when you got that combo of stuff, I mean, you know, I don't care what they say. I know we're we're going we're not going complete innings, but boy six or seven innings every start, you know, is if that's your goal. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's just fantastic. That's, that's, I think you got, you know, don't look at five, don't look at a quality start as being six, you know, get into that seventh inning. That's what I would try to do. If, you know, the, the old days of trying to go nine, I get it. Go seven. Yeah. And to go seven. If you're going to go through the lineup twice, you gotta, you gotta be able to show. Yeah. You, you gotta be able to, save your fastball for the third at bat as opposed to showing him all your stuff the first at bat yeah you know and and so anyway four or five pitches or three or four pitches in different locations yeah uh, it's it's fun to see these guys work and kind of you know you just don't want to see your starters say i can blow these guys away for two right. two uh two trips through the, yeah. the lineup you know it just is not going to I, I just don't think it's good for your bullpen. I don't care how many guys you got down there. Yeah, I agree, man. He's uh he this is a guy that in his first four years, because he came he'd go up and down, up and down. He had but he had starts and, and, and appearances for four years. His first four years of the big leagues before this year, fifty nine strikeouts, forty eight walks and seventy innings. And now he's got thirty four strikeouts and six walks. And four of those walks were last night. He had twenty six strikeouts and two walks in his first three starts. Oh, that's unreal. That's yeah, league leading whip before last night. I mean, this guy's—he is the pitcher now that the Braves hoped they would get when they drafted him five. He's every bit that right now. He pitches hey, it like takes this. Time, David. It yeah. takes time. It yeah. takes time to to figure out how to get through lineups in the big leagues. It Everybody's just, got their own journey, don't they? Some it, takes it, one it year, takes some time. takes five, some takes eight. Exactly, pitchers. It takes time, and you yeah. just gotta you gotta hope your guy stays healthy. You know, long enough to learn how to get through a big league lineup because in college and David, you know, this, even in triple a, you yeah. get through the first five guys, triple a just says, doesn't have depth. Right. You know, but right. to get through a big league lineup and especially now with the DH especially now. Yeah. It sounds like he's coming into his own exciting stuff. Yeah. He just looks like a different pitcher on the mound, man. He's got so much confidence now in the way he's standing. It's like, uh, what was it? Darno told me, you can just see him walking through the clubhouse. He looks taller, you know, he's <laughs> just, cool. he, he's the way he's carrying himself, but he said, yeah, that's cool. you know, he's relying so heavily now on the hard curve ball that he had in college and he had it first year in the minors. And then he got away from that. Like I said, because of the analytics, he's yeah. pounding the strike zone with sinkers, four seamers up in the zone. And then the confidence part of it has just been huge. I mean, it's just all, it's not one thing, you know, it's, it's all of it together, but that curveball, getting back to that, his pitch really yeah. gave him that confidence that he can throw that for strikes and get guys, that, you know, get, yeah. that's his, yeah, that's his out pitch, man. 
That's exciting. So, I'm I'm looking forward to watching it starts a little a little closer now that you've mentioned those things. What they've won eight or nine games. They've won all four of his starts. Wow, that's great. Yeah. Good kid too. Really good kid. Yeah. Yeah. Classy individual. So, um, so yeah. Last night, even though uh, even though Acuna last night at hit was great. Acuna admitted after the game, he goes, "I was too emotional in my first few at bats." He said he was just. It was like. You know, because it was, he said it was every bit as exciting as opening or his first game in the big leagues, his debut, yeah. getting to the park and all that. And it, it got the best of him as first because he was, he was just amped up. He said, I kind of settled in later. He had that little, he had that single to right, but he had two yeah. stolen bases last year, last night. The team only had three stolen bases all year before last night. And him and Dan- Dansby had one on the double steal with him. So I think he's going to bring that component to the team now because he's faster now. He said that before the surgery because he worked so much on form and on le- strengthening his, his legs after the uh, ACL surgery. So that's got to make other opponents cringe because this is a guy that came within three steals of being a 40-40 guy in his first full season, his yeah. only full season, really. And that was well, only because he hurt his hamstring at the end of the year. He'd, he'd have been a 40-40 guy, the youngest ever. Yeah. Well, there's nothing like being a hitter with, with runners moving. I mean – it it gets it gets defensive out of position. I know we're not in the era of 80, yeah. 90 stolen bases, but I, I I'll never believe that baseball doesn't benefit from runners moving. Yeah, and uh, uh, it you know if I'm hitting and I got runners on first and second, and let's say it's two zero or three one, where you're pretty confident that the pitcher's going to throw a strike. Those yeah. guys move and the whole infield opens up. You know. Uh, you just got to get the ball on the ground somewhere, and you got an RBI. You know, if you hit a double or whatever, just yeah. guys moving. And I, I, you know, we don't have to do it all the time. That's one thing about analytics, David. I don't like is when they say the hit and run doesn't work. I right. say that doesn't mean never. Right. You know, agree. It doesn't mean never. Uh, just do it once in a while. Keep people honest, and boy, that you can start some big innings with some runners moving. Well, that's like analytics say that bunting never makes sense either. Well, occasionally it does, man. You know, yeah, yeah, but um, well, maybe, I, maybe not now with the DH. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, Ronnie, Ronnie Acuna talked about he wants to run more now because he feels faster, right? Yeah. Well, with him running, think about the the thought of this now that he's got Matt Olson hitting second, and Matt Olson can get can can hit some doubles, man, and hit yeah. the ball out of the yeah. park, obviously, and get singles too. And then you got Austin Riley hitting third, Ozuna, who's a lot closer now to his form from two years ago than he was last year. Ozuna looks pretty good too. And then you got Albies five. You got Darno, one of the better hitting catchers, sixth. You got Duvall, who hit 30 some home runs last year, hitting seventh. You got Demerit, who's another big story right now, too. He's only played five right. games, started three of them, but he's looked really good. I've, I've been impressed with him. Another right. guy that, you know, we talk about it takes some guys longer to develop than others. He's 20, yeah. he's only 27. It feels like he's been around forever. Right. But he looks right. like a different player now than when he was a prospect with the Braves years ago. Right. Right. He's filled. He really looks good physically, but he drives the ball the other way. He looks good in the outfield. He came up as an infielder, but he looks good in the outfield. He's made two great plays in the outfield. So he's going to get a chance to play now with Rosario out. And right. He might be the answer in left field with Azuna DH. Right. No, I, I, like I said, I love the lineup. And Dansby um, Swanson hit ninth. That's a pretty good yeah. lineup. No, it, absolutely. Uh, you know, a little funky start for Dansby. Um, yeah, a lot of whiffs. Yeah, and uh, and Duvall, we got to get him going. But a lot uh, of whiffs for him too. Yeah, you know this this club's gonna. I'm I'm like I say. I think you know with this club, it'll be come down to probably last month. 
you know, again, they're going to be in the thick of things. And uh, hopefully, again, things will be clicking then. Mets are tough, man. This is not this is not yeah. the Mets of recent years. It is yeah. finally, uh, you know, the new owner's money, and they're getting the they're getting the Francisco Lindor that we saw in Cleveland, not the one of last year. Yeah. When I think I think the change in leagues and the uh, the uh, expectations on him last year, and the crowd getting on him early when he was struggling, I think that all kind of piled up on him last year and it snowballed. Yeah, because we're seeing the Cleveland version of Lindor now, and their pitching yeah. staff, man. Without yeah. Degrom, before, uh, uh, before, uh, because Castano, who was the, the, the he gave had a bad outing yesterday. But before that, the the highest ERA in the uh, rotation was like two two five. Yeah, and 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 Degrom hasn't thrown a pitch yet, so <laughs> they're really getting good work from their other starters. Yeah. So they're not going to go away. I don't think this year we can't count on them to mess it up like they have in recent years. Man, they've got uh, they got a lot of talent over there. Yeah, they had a they had like a four or five game lead, and then in two weeks they were they disappeared last year. Right, it's weird. It did. It seemed like that to me. I mean, maybe it took a little bit longer than two weeks, but uh, right. uh, it just happened real quick. Uh, they they fell apart down the, in the last two months for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. But you know, and the other thing to look at, they got a good leader in Scherzer too. So no doubt uh, that, and I think that makes a big difference, man. Especially yeah. with that pitching staff when he's when yeah. he's the bell cow, man. You're not going to be screwing yeah. around. Yeah, Tyler McGill has pitched they'll, they'll great for them. They'll be tough. Tyler McGill has pitched great for them. Um, we had uh, let's see, Stroman. He pitched. Uh, he's he's really. Having a good season. I'm not a big Stroman fan, but he's 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 putting his he's he's putting his performance in, in front of his comments this year. He's really pitching well for them. <laughs> um, but you've got uh, uh, let's see, we've got uh, Carlos Carrasco. That's I'm sorry, that's who I was thinking of. Carlos Carrasco has pitched great in his first three starts. He gave it up the other day. They had a four one four one lead and they had a huge inning. They got blown up. But before that, he was. He's the first guy to have their ERAs are Scherzer 1.80, Chris Bassett four starts 2.25, he's three and one. Tyler McGill's three and zero oh with a 2.35. Carrasco now is 4.09. He was under oh, he was always under two I think. And then uh, uh, what? David Peterson has made three appearances, two starts, and is at 0.64. So they haven't even they haven't even had a start yet from Degrom, but we don't know when Degrom's going to be back, but. They're yeah. getting a lot from these other guys, so that they're they're going to be reckoned with. You don't want them to get a double digit lead, you know. You just don't right, want that right. to give them that that confidence that they could get from that. Right. Uh, you want to keep the, that New York uh, that New York crowd and that New York energy out of that. Yeah. So, McNeil's uh, you know, hitting. They'll be tough. McNeil's hitting. Uh, Ken Ken Haas hitting. Uh, Nemo Nemo's having a bounce back year. Uh, Starlin really? Marte. Uh, he's he has he struggled early, but he's got. 15 RBIs, even though he's only hitting 237. The guy's got 15 RBIs. Uh, yeah. Pete Alonso's got 16 ribbies, three homers. So they got a lot of guys. They got a lot of weapons in that lineup. So it's going to be an interesting series coming up starting Monday because you got four games in three days. So the Braves are going to have a chance to really, you know, they could might split the series. But if the Braves were to go up there and win three out of four, all of a sudden yeah. the whole, you know, on the other hand, if they go up and lose three out of four. So that's a pretty big one. It's good to have Acuna back and play a few games before that series. Absolutely, yeah. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna be uh, focusing in on that one. That's gonna be, uh, yeah. It's cool to have. It's just cool to have, you know, big series this early in the year and and have a have a team like this to pull for. Um, 
and a built-in doubleheader, which great. is unique. Unique. This oh year. yeah, that's right. I had to make that's up right. those games from the first week, so we're going to have a yeah. doubleheader built up Tuesday scheduled doubleheader. Oh, okay. So four games. That'll be in, yeah. Doubleheaders easy to lose and hard to win. <laughs> hard to if hard you, to sweep one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and it's it seems like it's easy. That Gene Garber always used to say that. They're hard to sweep and they're easy to lose too. <laughs> hey, so we ran a teaser picture of you just to wrap it up here. We ran a teaser picture of you and you had your pearls on at the games last year. Man, how much did you endure those World Series games? You got probably caught up in too it, didn't much. You? Probably too much, David. Uh, Nancy texted me and she goes, "I just saw you on Facebook or something." She goes, settle down, Dale, settle down. <laughs> ah, they were showing you on TV, man, <laughs> whipping the pearls around. It was great. People are like, isn't that Dale Murphy? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was like a kid. I just, you know, just really related to Brian Snitker. I mean, I, yeah. I love the team and the guys, but, you know, Bob Horner called me up in the playoffs. And I, yeah. don't, talk to, I don't talk to Bob every day. You know, he goes, Murph, I'm so excited yeah. for Snit. This is the best. And. And so, you know, we're happy, of course, for the organization. But when you really kind of feel like someone from your generation, yeah. you know, drafted in the early 80s and came up under Bobby and and just the whole thing, uh, happy for the whole organization, but really happy for Snit and his his whole story. Him and Ronnie have, you know, we all yeah. know the story. They've been plugging away at this. So it, it was great. But, I, yeah, I had, a, I had a blast last year. I had a blast. I got caught up in the, the pearls and everything. It's funny you mentioned Bob Horner because for years and years, he didn't come back for hardly anything. And since this yeah. success under Snit, now you see him. He was at the Sunday thing the other day doing the yeah. the, the talk and all that. He's around now. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he just uh, 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 voted into the uh, Georgia Hall of Fame this winter, and I was down there with him and uh, the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame. And, uh, you know, I'm pulling for the Braves Hall of Fame uh, soon. Yeah, he should be in that. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I had forgotten that he's not. Wow. Yeah, he's not, and I, I think it's. Uh, I, I, I don't. I'm not announcing anything, but uh, I'm pulling for that to, to take place. Um, and then how's your restaurant doing? This, 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 this influx of fans into the battery has got to have helped that, even though you're across the, the walkway, yeah, no, right? Yeah, no question. Murph's. Uh, we. Uh, Missed the all-star game, but, uh, getting into the playoffs in the world series, uh, uh, just catapulted us, uh, through the year. And, uh, yeah, we're excited. We're, we, we, uh, survived this whole COVID mess and the brave success has helped us a lot, man. The atmosphere at the battery during the postseason and the world series was just oh. through the roof. I mean, I was a fan of, of, I'm a fan of downtown ballparks and I didn't, I hated the move when it happened. But I got to say that they look wise now because it has been a huge success, and they're raking wow. in the dough from the they're raking in that dough from the battery, man. Well, you saw what happened on Sunday night, Game Five in the battery. <laughs> Shut it down. It was so many people there. I mean, it was it was off the charts. So yeah, good stuff. All right, Murph. Well, man, you've given us more than enough of your time. We really appreciate it, uh, and it's great to see you at the park. And let's do that thing out of your restaurant hey, soon, man. Oh. Thank you. Uh, I'll be uh, I'll be at the ballpark quite a bit this summer. Got a few things going on. We got our uh, uh, MVP experiences, which uh, I believe we're all sold out. But go to dalemurphy.com and check it out. Uh, and we got some things planned. We're going to be here quite a bit. Looking forward to it. Great to see you guys. And uh, 
I always say this, but maybe I'll see you on the road somewhere, um, maybe on the West Coast. So uh, thanks for having me on, and all the best to Eric. Hope he's feeling better. DaleMurphy.com. That's it? Yep, DaleMurphy.com. All right, man. Well, the fans love seeing you out at the park, no doubt. Oh, thank you. It's it's fun. It's fun. Absolute class. I, I miss the game every day, David, but, uh, uh, I, you know, uh, I, I know I, I can't uh, – David, I I don't even know. People say, "Well, could you hit one out now?" I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" I, <laughs> I hope I could get one to the outfield grass, but uh, that golf ball sure travels a lot better than a baseball. So I'm going to stick to that. But uh, love uh, love getting out there and looking forward to this summer. Thanks for having me on. Well, I know when you when when you do go to Cooperstown, nobody's going to appreciate it any more than you, man. That's why I look forward to you getting uh, voted in because I just know that's going to be you are are belong in that setting there. Thank you. That means a lot, David. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in, and we really appreciate it. And really big thanks to Murph for sitting in for Eric. Get well, Eric. Or you're going to get uh, – I forgot. Who's the guy? That, I can't think right now. Who's the guy that when somebody was hurt and never went back? I can't even think. Wally Pipp. Wally Pipp. You're going to get Wally Pipp, man. Man. <laughs> Getting old, man. Forgetting things like Wally that. Wally Pipp, right? He went Wally out Pip for, there. Uh, That's right. for uh, Lou Gehrig. He, he, Lou Gehrig. <laughs> Never came back. Oh, Wally Pipp. All, All right. right. Don't get Wally Pipp, Derek. That's it. 755 is real. We are out. Appreciate it.